When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. We're going to start with basketball anyways. Mo yeah, we're going to start with basketball anyways. Um, no, not Mo Bamba because we got to talk about Bobby Portis first. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was announced like, I don't know, five minutes ago that Bobby Portis declined his player option, which yep. was to be expected. So if you're a Bucks fan and you're freaking out that Bobby Portis declined his player option, don't freak out. Um what that does is it opens up the possibility for a longer-term extension. So Bobby Portis will be 28 in February, um, and with him playing the last two seasons with the Milwaukee Bucks, that means they have his early bird rights, which means they can offer him a contract of up to four years, up to $49 million. They can offer him anything um, in between there. Uh, has to be at least two years and there are no options. So it has to be at least two years and a set amount of money up to four years, $49 million. Um, I've nope. seen a rumor that they're looking at a four-year, $40 million deal for Bobby Portis. I haven't seen that um, like substantiated anywhere, but I did see a rumor from, I think it was from Hoops Hype, that reported that it seems destined that Bobby Portis is going to sign a four-year, $40 million deal. But the Bucks do have the opportunity to match any offer up to $49 million. So ultimately, if somebody wants to try to lure Bobby Portis away from the Bucks, they're going to have to offer him at least $13 million per season. I do not think that's going to happen. Um, I'm very happy that Bobby Portis feels like he found a home here in Milwaukee. Um, he, Him coming in, hopefully, you know, we won't have to deal with Brooke having surgery this year. So, from the get-go, we'll have our depth, you know, our big man depth. We'll have Brooke. We'll have Giannis, obviously. Um, uh, Thanasis will be back. Uh, Pat Connaughton's already, you know, came back. So this roster's already shaping up. I think the next step after Bobby Portis signs, um, I I heard that it was four-year 40. I don't know if you heard anything different. That's exactly what I heard is four-year 40. Um, like you said, Bobby Marks came out and said that they can offer 49. So, after that, we really just got to find a viable backup point guard, which I've heard we're interested in Derrick Rose. Now, when I think about that, I'm like, See, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't know how to feel about that. What do you think? So with the Derrick Rose thing, I've had this discussion with a few people. Ultimately, all it does is getting Derrick Rose is create another need. So the Bucks can't trade 
um, George Hill and a second round pick for Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is set to make a little over $14 million this year. So whatever salary the, the Bucks are sending out, they can only take 125% of that back in. So if the Bucks are going to um, bring in $14 million in salary, they have to send out around at least 11. Um, so which means they would probably have to trade either Brooke Lopez or George Hill and Grayson Allen. For me, neither of those trades make sense because all they do is create another need. Trading for him ultimately creates another hole you have to fill. So in that, in, you know, in that, um, you know, in that Scenario. process, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so it just doesn't make well, sense to trade for a backup point guard when it creates a need on your starting lineup. The only way I see that happening is, and I know, just stick with me for a second. Nawara, right? And I think Nawara is ready to take that step to play real minutes for the season and in the playoffs. You bring in Marshawn, or Marjan, sorry. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have Chris back. You're going to have Drew back. And you're okay with bringing in a guy like Derrick Rose, who's another ball handler. That's the only way I see that happening is if they really, really feel like some guys are able to step up and they feel good about Chris's health for the entire season. Otherwise... It doesn't make sense to me either. I don't know why you get rid of Grayson right away. People, people are mad at Grayson just just because of one playoff series, but they don't want to give him credit. They really they really cut him down. You know, like oh, he did that against the Bulls. Look, it's still in the playoffs. It's still a two you know two games you know where he took over. You know, so for them to just be knocking him down, that's ridiculous to me. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I'm going to answer Matt's questions and I'll get back to you. Um, Matt, the free agency opens at 6 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. So it'll be 5 o'clock Central time. Not sure which one you're on in uh, in Indiana, but um, I think he's, whether you're on Eastern or Central time. But um, that'll be tomorrow evening. Um, Jake, back to your point about Grayson Allen. It's it's ultimately it's the sample size thing that we've discussed a thousand times. Is that you're going to take the sample size of one seven game series, weigh it against how he did at the end of the Bulls series. He was okay in games one and two, but he was electric for three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. And he played really well during the entire regular season, outside of the games that he was hurt. But that was you know, that happens. But like his entire body of work, the regular season. Played really good. Um, the awesome Jake and just Tyler. Wow. All right. You know what, Taylor? I was going to give these to you, but I don't know if I want to anymore. <laughs> hey. Yeah, Brewers Fanlocks. Um, Thomas, the guy I was guy Fanlocks the gave me some extra ones to give away. Um, who says that with Middleton, Grayson Allen, you know, doesn't get different matchups and he goes crazy? You know what I'm saying against Boston. You know he's the, the defense is going to have to guard us differently with Middleton on the floor, and Grayson Allen might get some more open opportunities and might knock those down. I'm not saying he would or he wouldn't, but to have that out there as an option, I'm willing to bet on that. It's I a really factor. Am. Yeah, that's a Definitely. factor. I'm going to use Yeah, crazy. so I'm going to I'm going to hold on to those those fan lines. Yeah, before we get to talking about the Brewers because those are blue. Matt, blue, so. that is a great point. Matt brought up a great great point. About Forbes, right? And that's you know, <laughs> Taylor. So I love it. Uh, Jeez, get him. Right. So, <laughs> he called you awesome, and he called me just Tyler. So I know, but he just told he loved you. 
I know he's trying to he's trying to get back on my good side. <laughs> All right. So before we get to the Brewers, I wanted to I wanted to take some time to talk about basketball for a little bit. So um, this this was ultimately uh, brought on by me listening to a basketball book this week, and I I took some really really interesting things away from the book, and then some questions that I want to pose, and some hypotheticals that I want to throw out. So the first thing was, this was said during the book, the book that I listened to is called How to Watch Basketball uh, Like a Genius. Um, Tyler, we spent the first five minutes of the show talking about Bobby Portis. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, we talked about He's coming back, Portis, okay? So back. Yep, he'll be coming back. Don't worry about it, Wilkins. Yep. Um, so the book's called How to Watch Basketball Like a Genius. One of the first things that I took away from it was he made the point that Basketball is the only sport where rules are changed to benefit the spectator more than the players of the game. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting, actually, if you think about it. Probably true. Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, the more that I think about it, all the other ones, outside of some of the some of the ones in baseball, are made to increase scoring, but that benefits the players and then the spectators, mm-hmm. whereas the rule changes made in the NBA, they're, they're really beneficial to the spectators. Smart. Um, next thing that I want to bring up is the you probably never played ball, quote-unquote, as an argument when people are arguing on social media. Oh, I bet you never played ball, or you tell me you don't know basketball without telling me you don't know basketball, stuff like that. Um, that is that is a social media argument. Um doesn't make sense to me to begin with because you don't have to be an expert at doing something to be able to understand how it works. Um, that said, Bobby was making coffee at Collectivo in Milwaukee recently. Didn't seem like a guy ready to leave. I don't think he seems like a guy ready to leave either. Um, Tyler, they got rid of some of those ticky-tack fouls. They got rid of a lot of the, the flailing, flopping, leg-kicking fouls, so they have gotten rid of a lot of that. Um they need to readdress flopping, in my opinion. Um, they used to give technical yeah, fouls yeah. and fines for that. They don't do that anymore. I think they should bring that back. But so, After like I said, Celtic, the yeah. whole – yeah, exactly. So the whole, quote-unquote, you've never played ball or I bet you never played ball, using that as an argument against somebody um, in a debate is just dumb, in my opinion, anyways. But – I wanted to bring this up. I didn't know this until I listened to this book, but the inventor of the shot clock, his name was Danny Biasone. He was a bowling alley owner. Never played basketball. He owned a bowling alley, and then he eventually owned an ABA team. Interesting stuff. Okay. (laughs) Invented the shot clock. Still around. Shot clock was a great thing. Otherwise, people were just dribbling the dribbling the timeout. That's that's like when Jake and I talked a, a couple months ago about rule changes, adding a shot clock mm-hmm. to the to the NBA was one of Jake's, I think, because there was a game that ended mm-hmm. 19 to 18. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, like um it was because of George Mikan. Teams would just dribble the ball around in the perimeter, they would hand it off to each other and dribble more and you have like three, four minute possessions. Um so yeah, you'd have like three or four minute possessions just basically trying to keep the ball away from George Mikan. And that That's was the name stupid. of the game back then. Stupid. Now, how boring would that be? Yeah, Seriously. So, 
Yeah, so the shot clock changed that. Um, and yeah, man, I agree. Like the the you never played argument is such a dumb one because nobody that's in those arguments on Facebook is playing in the NBA. Plain okay. One second, we're gonna reply to Tyler. Um, Tyler, I don't want it to go back to how it was when we grew up. It was awesome back then, but I seriously mm-hmm. love the fat how fast paced the game is now. Do I get mad at the inconsistent calls once in a while? Yes, I do. And you know one thing that I really hate about the refs is when a guy gets fouled, if he makes it, they don't call the they don't call the foul. But if he misses it, they give him two free throws. That's one thing that mm-hmm. needs to change. But actually, I just had a conversation today with my girlfriend who does not know anything about sports. But she comes to me today as we're watching the Brewers, and she goes, you know, ever since I've been around you for the last couple of years, I'm really, really starting to love basketball. And this is a girl that when I started, when I moved in here, she was like, oh, you're watching basketball again? Oh, you're watching basketball again? It's like, for her to come around and say that, I'm like, yeah, it's because basketball is an easier sport for somebody to get into because it's so fast-paced. There's always action going on. Mm-hmm. Whether the, ball, whether the yep. ball gets knocked out, it's going out of bounds. They're doing an inbounds play. They're setting screens. They're driving to the rim. They're shooting a three. Like, there's always something going on. There's no stoppage in possessions either. It's it's back and forth, back and forth. It's not like football Basketball where they stop a- after every play. Yep. Or baseball where there's a pitch every – She you know, cannot stand baseball. Cannot stand baseball. She's get, she's coming around. She's coming around. But, you know, football, obviously, I told her she doesn't have a choice. Packers are my religion. Uh, but, Pat, you know, that's what, I, that's what I celebrate on Sundays. I don't celebrate God. I love you, God. But I celebrate Green Bay Packer football here. But, you know, basketball, for her to come out and say that, that was shocking to me, honestly. Basketball is a great sport, you know, to get your girlfriend to get on board with. That's all I'm saying. And these rule changes in the last couple of years has really, really made it watchable, in my opinion. They're getting rid of the hardened stuff, and I don't want to watch that. <clears throat> yeah. So it's actually really crazy how much basketball has changed in the yeah. last even, like, 70 years. Because, like, they're, the shot clock wasn't brought in until, um, like, the 50s or 60s. So basketball was invented in 1891. So it took almost 70 yeah. years – for the shot clock to be invented. And now it's been about another 70 years since its implementation. So basketball, honestly, it's still dealing with a lot of rule changes, but they're always trying to make the game better. So one thing that I want to bring up, because it's been it's been brought up before to the NBA, Adam Silver has said that they brought it up, is the Elam ending. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. So the year that Kobe Bryant died and they did the the 24 at the end of the game where the first yep, team yep. to score 24 points at the end of the game, um, that's that was an Elam ending. So um, back before intentional fouls were called, their um, teams would just foul, 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 foul for 24 seconds mm-hmm. just to, get, to stop offenses from scoring. Mm. Not as bad as it is now. Like nowadays it's not as bad as it was. Because literally it would just be 24 seconds and you'd have 20 fouls called. See, that because would there be was stupid. no penalty for it. That would be stupid. Right, I and it made the last four minutes of games take forever. You think it takes a while now for the last four minutes of a close game. Imagine back then when they were just trying to get stops on possessions by fouling a bunch of times. Yeah. So it was proposed that for the last four minutes the clock would be shut off and the first team to... 10% plus the winning team's score. Okay. So, um, 
back then the the games were usually a lot lower scoring, so it would say it was a game where it was like seventy to sixty. The um, the final score would be thirteen and a half points. Call it fourteen points. So if the game is say seventy to sixty, it would be the first team to eighty three. So you're not playing under a time limit anymore. You're playing to whoever gets to eighty three points first. So it actually okay. gives the team that's losing the opportunity to make a comeback without just running out of time. And so what that's what okay. the idea was there was to keep up the pace of the play for the last four minutes of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, keep it true. That makes sense. Right. Now what it also does is it guarantees a game-winning shot every single game. Now that's watchable. That's definitely watchable. I'll tell you that. Um, Tyler, they did that in the one they did it in the 2020 All Star game. I don't know if they're still doing. It. I don't remember if they're still doing it that I way. I think or not. they did it last year um, too. I think they did it last year too. Okay. They liked it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't. But I yeah, watch I mean, the game. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, the last thing that I wanted to bring up was Kirk Goldsberry wrote a book called Sprawl Ball, um, based on like the way that the NBA has gone about spacing. Um, So what he proposed in that book was that the three-point line be moved forward and backwards every year based on the percentages of the previous season. So let's say this year it's at 25 feet and the, the league averages, say, 37%. So they move it back Uh six inches. And then the next year they shoot at 36%. So they move it back six inches. And then up until they get to a point where the league average is down under 35%, and then they move it up six inches. Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. Make the game change with the players, you know what I mean? Yeah. Damn, everybody would be shooting curry range. (laughs) That's tough. That's tough. It would definitely... I'll tell you what, it would bring the value of the mid-range back. That's definitely what that would mm-hmm. be. Value of the mid-range. I'm so glad would you back. said mid-range too. Because in the same book, not in Sprawl Ball, in the How to Watch Basketball Like a Genius, he proposed that if they're going to add a four-point line or a four-point circle like the big three has, that they put it in the mid-range because that's the shot that nobody takes anymore. See, Chris Middleton would destroy. Do you understand how good Chris <laughs> Middleton would be? So, so would DeMar DeRozan, but like – if you're if yeah. you're continually moving the three point line back, uh, basically, basically teams set up their system to shoot dunks, layups, and threes. Yep, that's, that's all they want to shoot. All, yeah, <laughs> there it is. What's up, there Dan? Is. Now we can start the show. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, now right, we're gonna we're gonna start over. The last, last eighteen minutes didn't count. Um, but yeah, so that 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 philosophy of Dunks, layups, and threes actually dates back to the early 90s. It was a philosophy brought up by David Arsenault from Grinnell College. Now, the name Grinnell College might sound familiar because Jack Taylor from Grinnell College in 2012 scored 138 points in a game. Basically, he was a transfer. He was actually from UW-Lacrosse. He transferred to Grinnell College in Iowa. He was playing like a second or third game with the team. Coach comes over to him and says, hey, Jack, you're going to score 100 points this game. 
He said, I want you to shoot 15 shots in the first 10 minutes of the game. If you score 20 points, we'll do the same thing for the next 10 minutes. He ended up scoring 138 points in that game. Um, they, they did a study on three-point shots. For, for three-point shots, their goal is to, their, their offensive philosophy was to get 33% of their misses offensive rebounds. And when they were shooting three-point shots and they were missed and an offensive rebound was grabbed, they put the ball back out to the shooter because they found that within two to three seconds of missing a three, going back to the same shooter resulted in 52% makes on the second try because the shooter knew what to correct from the shot they missed. You want to know what that's called? That's called for two for, two a, for dollar, a dollar, baby. Two for a dollar. And that, and that is the damn rules of basketball. I don't care where you play, what level you're on. If that guy misses you get the rebound, he's going to be wide open, bro, because they're crashing yep. get it right back to him. And that is going to be cash. Yep. That's just how it feels because <laughs> he's in rhythm already. And I 100% agree that he knows what to fix because he knows how it felt off his hand. He knows yep. if it went long, if it went yep. short. He didn't jump high enough. He's got that muscle memory yep. in his head. Or he's sense. fading to, to one side or the other, backwards, yep. forwards. He knows. 52% if it's within two or three seconds. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> um, basically, listening to the book, the guy said um, the coach Arsenal would look at the record books and basically be able to pick whichever record they wanted to break that night and be able to because of their philosophy of pace of play, um, wanting to get rebounds on 33% of their misses. Their other goal for their games, <laughs> this is ridiculous, was to force 32 turnovers. That was their goal, was to force 32 turnovers. So they wanted the opposing team. They went. This team went like 15 deep, by the way. Yeah. Like they didn't have any, you know, five-star athletes. They went like 15 deep, so they were constantly like basically every dead Broke ball, game. like three guys were subbing in. Um, they wanted the opposing team to run up and down the floor 150 times a game. Damn. That was their goal. And to force 32 turnovers. So they wanted to drive up that pace of play, force a bunch of turnovers, get a bunch of offensive rebounds, score quickly on layups, dunks, and threes. Imagine playing against that team. And within the first 10 minutes, you could guard three different humans. Imagine that. That is that messes with your mind. I could definitely imagine, see a bunch of turnovers from that. Imagine playing against a system like that, something that's not used a whole lot in basketball. And being 10 minutes in and already down by 15 points and a dude on the other team already has 30. Oh, I'd be so <laughs> <laughs> The final score of the game that he scored 138 points in. Oh, oh my <laughs> dude, they were like trying to double team him later in the game. Like I, I ended up just watching the, like the, all of the points that he scored in that game. It was like a 14 minute video. But I've watched the whole thing. Like and later in the games, they ended up trying to run like two dudes at him, and he was still hitting threes. So Bro, if that the guy final didn't score. Have two girls attached to him the entire night at the bar. <laughs> then they did it wrong. They did it wrong at that college. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I think it's a Christian college, but still. Um, oh, hey, everybody sins, right? Final, yeah. Final score of that game was 179 to 104. Oh. The, the opposing coach actually, at the end of the game, like the coach was expecting the opposing coach to be pissed. He actually walked up to him and he's like, That was awesome. 
That's what he said. The polling said that to him. Wow, that's that is incredible stuff. That's a master class in basketball, and you don't have. He retired in 2018. His son coaches the team now. Actually, I know, but uh, the guy that scored the 138 man that was 10 years ago. I'd still be talking about that today. That's the go-to story at all the barbecues. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Come on, man. I scored more than Wilt. I just carry I carry a folded up piece of paper in my pocket that says 138 on it. <laughs> so would so <did> I. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the basketball discussion that I had. That's good stuff. It's interesting. Um, I definitely feel like 90% of basketball fans should read a book on how to watch basketball like a normal human being and not overreact to everything. <laughs> that should be a book. I feel... I feel like you and I should teach a course on how to use Google. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. I, I'll oh, do it. God. Hold on. We're going back. We're going back. We're going back to basketball because <laughs> I had a fucking guy today. So he, this was on a post about the Bucks wanting to trade for Derrick Rose. He said, George Hill in a second. And I'm like, you can't like the money doesn't match. He's like, well, add cash. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. He's like, yes, it does. He's like, or add Ibaka. I'm like, I'm like, no, you can't just add cash. And Ibaka is a free agent. He's like, he has a player option. Like, no, he doesn't have a player option. He's like, he can just opt into it. I literally sent him screenshots from Hoops Hype and Spot Track. Showing that he's an unrestricted free agent, he's like, well, he can just accept his player option that he has. I'm like, he oh. does not have a player option. All you well, have to do is Google it; you can find it. You know, there's idiots everywhere. Uh, he said, "I'd rather." <laughs> yeah, that's what ninety percent of America does, Simon. Oh, uh, man. And- Oh, man, I just thought of an idea. We should take a poll on what sport has those unreal Is it football, basketball, or baseball? Like, what sport do you think it's It's not baseball. I feel like baseball is usually pretty good. Oh, God. I feel like it's basketball. I'm not going to lie. I mean, football is pretty bad because – Football, yeah. We think it's bad. Because we talk to like Bears and Lions fans, and they set unrealistic goals for their teams, and they're mad that we win all the mm-hmm. time. So their only comeback is like, "You're gonna lose in the playoffs." Yeah, and what are you gonna yeah. do? Win four games again? Congratulations! Don't talk to me. Yeah. There's levels to this. I saw, <laughs> I saw a post today saying that the Packers were jealous of the Lions, and I'm like, jealous of what? Their draft position being higher every year? Yeah. Uh, see my comment on there? I didn't see it. Did you see my comment on there, bro? I murdered. I didn't see it. I said, "Yeah, we're jealous of a team that's lost fifty-three games in the last five years, while the Packers have lost nine in the last three. <laughs> You're over ten losses a year, and we've lost. We haven't even lost that in uh, three years. Uh, yeah, we're we're jealous of you. But I gotta tell you, I just got this update on my phone. First of all, James Harden declined his player option, which is crazy because he was going to make forty-seven. What? Years. Yeah. Well, I heard they're signing PJ Tucker, so what? they'll probably take a deal. And then the Hawks are trading. Then. Yeah. Nello Garnari yep, and more first round first for Deontay Murray. <laughs> Lions are winning nine games this year. Yup, I said it. Dan, I wasn't going to name drop you, 
Okay, so remember a couple of, oh man, this is like two months ago now. I brought I brought up somebody I talked to that said the Lions are gonna win nine games. It was Dan. I was talking to Dan on a Saturday at work. Dude, there's no way they win nine games. I don't see it. I, I see I see a I'll possibility. I was gonna say I was gonna say if I was gonna set a tough over under, I would set it at six and a half. I'd set it the same for the Bears. Okay. I I mean, really, honestly, the Bears and Lions are similar, so I 100% agree with you. There's no way I see Goff winning nine games in Detroit. And people are like, Goff isn't that bad. Goff isn't that bad. He is that bad. I'm sorry. He's that bad. He's not good at all. I think the Lions are better. 7-10 and ten for the Lions the Bears. this year. Nice year for them. And – and their fans are on, but their fans are unrelated. Hundred percent. I could, I could live with seven. I really could. Five and a half bears, six and a half lions. They're gonna be fighting for last place. That's all I know, man. I mean, for people to yep. be like, "Ooh, the the Packers are gonna get third place in the division." No, we're not. Absolutely not. Not with this defense. Our defense alone, mm-hmm. with with a with a decent quarterback, is winning six games. We're if we didn't have Rodgers, we're just as good as the Lions and the Bears. We have Aaron Rodgers. We're winning 10 games at least. Yeah, we're going to do a record prediction probably in – We're going to do this more. I guess we'll probably do record predictions. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, yeah, we'll probably do a record prediction in August. Um, and we'll probably, we're going to do it for the actually entire NFC North. But while we're – yeah, Vikings are going to win probably 9 or 10. Um, Packers are going to win more Vikings than that, though. Uh, Matt, you gotta be there on that episode, dude. I gotta hear why you think Vikings are winning six. I don't see it. Um, they got a decent I mean, roster. New coach. Yeah, I don't believe in their defense yet or their offensive line, but uh, we're gonna talk yeah, about we're gonna talk about the Packers on Friday night. So we're gonna have a special Friday night show this week um, during Packer season. We're gonna be doing shows every Friday, um, but we're gonna be doing one this week. Um, Simon and Bryant are joining us for that. We're going to have a lot, a lot of discussion. Um, it's not going to be a ton of super specific stuff. Um, we're not going to get into like record predictions yet, just because like preseason hasn't even started. Like the rosters aren't even finalized. There's still going to be another free agency wave yet in the NFL. Um, but we're going to talk about basically just the Packers themselves, yeah, yeah. some of the storylines going on with the team, um, some players we're excited for this year. Um, and then just some things that people are generally talking about, we're going to talk it out. Um, so that's going to be Friday night, 8 o'clock Central Time. That's when we're going to do our Friday night Packers shows. Um, so, yeah, definitely check us out on Friday night. We're going to be doing two shows a week for, for football season. So, Bye, Matt. Too bad you won't hear our good baseball talks. I, I actually brought some good stats this week. <laughs> oh, look at this guy. All right. Well, you ready to switch to baseball? Uh, one, we both saw at the same time. You texted it to me. Yeah, I'm ready, buddy. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the Brewers Cardinals game three. Um, let's start with that one from last Wednesday. All right. Well, Eric Lauer, um, he, I don't know what, I do know what's wrong with him, but I don't know why he's doing it. He's he's missing his spots with his, with his, his you know, his, change up and his curveball and he's leaving he's hitting too much of the plate 
and do that with a curveball in the pros. These guys are going to take it for a ride. And if they miss, you better thank the gods, the baseball gods, because they are not going to miss very often. That is how crazy their hand-eye coordination is. But he went six innings, gave up six hits, had five earned, five Ks, only had the one walk, but the two home runs. Um, he said, go order your Wisco Manatic shirt, people. Hey, that's, that's, what I, that's what I like to see. Go order your Wisco Fanatic shirts, people. We're about, we're about the boom. That's all I'm going to say. We're about the boom. Um, so talking about the home runs with Lauer, his first 10 starts, he gave up eight home runs. The last three starts, not including the one today that just happened today against the Tampa Bay Rays, he's given up eight homers. So right there telling me he's having command issues with his curveball and his slider and you know shit like that. And his fastball, his miles per hour has gone. You know, he was up there around 95 consistently to start the year. Now he's back down to 91, 93 sometimes. He still is hitting 94, 95 occasionally. But, you know, I, a lot of times I see him hitting 92, and I'm like, you're not blowing high anybody. You know, 92 is kind of normal. You know, I mean, I went to the Timber Rattlers game. Everybody saw my post. My stepson got a, got a ball on Friday, and they're throwing 92 down there. So they've been, they've been seeing it for years, you know, basically their entire lives. They're seeing it in college too. So 92 is nothing special. But – uh, you know, besides that point, Lauer's, Lauer's been okay, other than giving up the home run ball, in my opinion. Uh, Milner came in, he pitched an inning, gave up one hit, one walk, three Ks. And this was the game that Kelly came in, and he had the smoke, man. He had two innings, uh, five of his six outs he had were strikeouts. He was seeing given us. Yeah. We weren't able to get the run, you know, to win the game, but it was a very, very good outing for him, man. He looked great in that outing, in my opinion. That was not, that was good for him to build some confidence. Uh, McCutcheon and Telez had homers also. Um, <clears throat> more on Telez later in the show, but I am McCutcheon, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Roddy Telez in this game hit his first home run since May 29th. Mm. He'd gone three yeah. weeks without a home run. Um, Yelich and McCutcheon both had two hits, like Jake said. Trevor Kelly, it's good to see him do some scoreless things, uh, especially in a one-run game. For him to do that mm-hmm. in a close game is a big deal. Um, yep. And this game also supplied us with the Wisco Fanatics play of the week, which was yeah. Luis Urias making a like a stabbing play yeah. kind of on a ball, ball um, bouncing in the hole between shortstop and third base and then firing to Rowdy Telez, who made a pick in the dirt to – finish the playoffs. So the, this game did also supply us with our Wisco Fanatics play of the week. But that's and, that's pretty much all I got. I'm going to talk about lower a little bit later. Yeah, um, I just wanted to talk about how crazy that play is for Telez. You know, those in-between bounces are tough, man, because they can bounce to the side on you. They get on you fast, so you really got to have, you know, and they said it on the broadcast, got to have nice soft hands and quick reaction to be able to, to nab mm-hmm. that baby out of the air. So that's that was really, really a nice play by Telez, I will say. I know we pick on him sometimes, but we're not meaning it seriously. We're just we're ripping him a little bit. Hopefully, he'd be able to take. He's that been pretty life, but... after since since he made that error that ended up losing them the game in the Mets series. Since yeah. then, he's been pretty good defensively. Honestly, I agree. I agree. And Luis Urias lately, dude. He's. He's good. Like, the ball hard. He's playing defense. He had a really, really crazy, crazy catch today, too, which I thought was going to be play of the week. I texted you. And then right away, Davis comes up and has an even better play. And I thought he died because I was like, Jesus, he got crunched, dude. He just made himself four Mm -hmm. feet tall by running into that wall. But 
that was a crazy play. I mean, either one could be play of the week. We will discuss that. But um, both of them have been great this week, in my opinion. Christopher, Christopher we talked about Bobby at the top of the show. Um, if you want to go back and watch it, otherwise, like essentially, the, the quick highlight is that the Bucks can offer him four years playing or anything from two to four years. So the, there's there's stuff to work there, and it's totally not something to panic about. Yep. Okay, let's talk about game four of that Cardinal series. Why don't you lead it off? I feel like I talked the, All right, the so, whole time last. <laughs> you, you mean you co- you covered most of the bases on that one, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> this game started off kind of not so great. Um, down to nothing. Um, <laughs> really, really ugly double error in the first inning that resulted in Goldschmidt getting a little league home run. Um, Christopher, I do always have the stats. Always. It's one of the reasons we started the show actually was to share cool <laughs> stats. It's one of the things we like to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So ugly double error. Um, down two nothing right away. Scored a run in the bottom of the first inning to get back in. Um, Chichi Gonzalez um, gave up the. I think it was Chichi Gonzalez in that game. Pretty sure that was that game. Oh no, that was oh, Jason yeah. Alexander. So yeah, Alexander. So after the two runs in the first inning, um, followed up with three scoreless innings. Um, it just, uh, I feel bad for for Jason Alexander. Like he ended up getting the win, but it's okay. I digress. So, top of the sixth inning, Jason Alexander has second and third with only one out. He gets a sack fly. Uh, there's a walk, and then he strikes out. There gets a guy to strike out to end the inning. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's big league stuff from Jason Alexander. There, um, they got an insurance run in the bottom of the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Uh, Jason Alexander finished five and two thirds innings. Did, did give up four earned runs, six hits, five strikeouts. Uh, Jason Alexander is never going to have high strikeout numbers uh, unless there's unless Mercury is in Gatorade or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason Alexander is going to be a ground ball guy. So Christian Yelich was on base three times. Victor Caratini was on three times. Um, the Bruce had 15 base runners and only left six on base. They're getting better at that. They're getting better. They're getting better. Yeah. They, I'd like to see them keep getting better, but, um, mm. Tyrone Taylor hit a super high home run. Mercury. <laughs> I knew somebody would like my Mercury and Gatorade comment. Um, <laughs> William Thomas had another home run. Andrew McCutcheon had a really nice catch on the warning track and two hits. Um, Jonathan Davis was playing well in this game as well. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what ends up happening with him from the injury that he sustained today. But that's that's pretty much everything I had from, from game four. Um, I'll let you cover the back of the bullpen. I'll let you talk about that. I mean, do I have to say anything <laughs> about Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, dude? Seriously, what luxury is that? To, those three guys come in. I feel that's almost a guarantee that we won the game. If we have a one-run lead and Boxberger, Williams, Hater comes in, I'm like, Brewers fucking won. I mean, they like to they like to really, really make you stress. 
because right. they're like sweat it out. You know, like like today, yeah, Williams let two people get on. You know, and it's just like Devin, you are better than this. <laughs> you are so much better than this. Hater lets a couple people get on. I'm like, Josh, last night you were destroying right. them. What happened? You're hitting 99. Uh, it's it's a night. short turnover, so we'll we will get we'll get to tomorrow. I know because I, know, I, know. I wanna, we'll get to yesterday. We'll get to yesterday and then today because yesterday's game led me to say things about tomorrow, which is now today. So we'll we'll get to the Rays series. Today's and tomorrow's. If, and if everybody just followed games, what I said, yeah. If everybody followed along with what I said, kudos to you for following along with what I meant. If you understood what I meant, then good for you. Well, I just you know the one thing I wanted to say is that everyone except Yelly and Urias got a hit in this last game, so that's encouraging. Mm. Uh, nothing bad about Yelly or Urias because they played really, really great. But it's encouraging that everybody else is starting to get on base and hit the baseball. They're hitting the ball hard, even if it is right at people. Like Willie Adamas had one today that hit right at somebody. And the season series between the Cardinals and the Brewers is tied at six to six. This shit is going to be awesome later in the year, man. That is going to be awesome. That's good baseball. That is nothing but good for Major League Baseball to have two teams from the Midwest, you know, the Brewers and St. Louis, you know, competing for each other. You know, in their own division, that's going to be great to watch down the stretch. And we're getting into the dog days now, and I love I love saying that for some reason, the dog days of summer. That's just classic. That's all I got to say. I'm ready for the Blue Jays series, except for the first game, because that sucked. <laughs> um, I just want to say real quick on the Cardinals, too. Like you mentioned, it's going to be good down to the wire series um, season, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a two-team race. Um, yeah. I do want to throw in real quick that the Pirates have a better record than the Cubs. I just want to throw that out there. Um, Cubs. But. <laughs> Lost to the Reds last night. <laughs> um, I want to throw out there. We talked about this. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. About enjoying the journey. So listen. The Brewers and the Cardinals are going to have a back and forth playoff race. It's probably going to come down to the last month of the year. Um, that being said, it doesn't mean that we need to freak the, the F out about the Brewers losing here and there, or even if they go on a long losing streak, like they did now they're on a winning streak and they're back to 11 games over 500. It's just, it's just gotta be a thing where you just remain calm because like I, I use the term all the time, the law of averages that if things go bad for a while, Based on what your team does, they're going to go good for a while. So yep. it's going to be back and forth. It's a long season. Like Jake just said, the dog days of summer, it's a 162-game season. There's still a long yeah. way to go. Not even at the All-Star break yet. Oh, yeah. So enjoy the journey. It'll be uh, fun. we got a four-game winning streak. We're going to play the Pirates. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a positive if anybody wanted to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and this I'm is something to watch too. The shortstop for the Pirates. I'm excited oh, to watch the shortstop yeah. for the Pirates. Man. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Um, so this is a thing where it's not just two when the Brewers lose, or if the Cardinals were to take first place back, or something like that. The Brewers aren't automatically just bad, or it's not automatically the Brewers suck. Like. It's okay to give respect to the Cardinals too. The Cardinals are a good team. They have a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not it's not like it's the Brewers division to lose. It's a legit two-team race. 
Tim's cheering for the Marlins. That's who the or the Cardinals are playing. I mean, so. the the corner infielders for the Cardinals that might be the best first baseman, third baseman combo in baseball. If you bring in defense and hitting ability, they're fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, Arenado had a throw yesterday, dude. Just barehanded it, and it was just a rope. And I'm like, golly, man, this guy hits homers and throws ropes. He's a monster. And then Goldschmidt, he's the batting leader in the NL, I believe, still. Yep. He's just, dude, he's batting like 340. Yeah, dude, he rakes. It's crazy. He rakes. That's it. You know, like, it's unfortunate, but the truth about those two is that those two have the highest OPS in Miller Park slash American Family Field history. Yeah, it is what it is, man. <laughs> those, yeah. It is what it they're, is. They're good players. That's that's yeah. that's all it is. They're good players. It is what it is. All right, let's go to, let's go to Blue Jays game one. So... Like I stated earlier, I went to the Timber Rattlers game with my stepson, brought him to his first game. He's able to get a foul ball. So my Friday night was actually good. Um, I didn't have to stay home and watch the Brewers give up nine runs and Hauser give up five in six innings, including nine hits and three Ks. Um, Kelly gave up three earned runs, so came off his high against the Cardinals and came back down to earth, gave up three runs in his one inning. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't really need to talk any more about pitching because it – they all gave up runs. <laughs> um, yeah. But Yelly had two RBIs. Taylor got another RBI. Adamas got his 37th RBI. Taylor with the home run. Um, outside of that, that was just one of those games. It was like, yeah, not our night. I was watching on my phone, and all of a sudden, Hauser just the wheels just fell off in the second inning, and I was like, what the f-? And I he, turned it off. He unfortunately got hurt by a bunch of hits up the middle. Like it just felt like every hit was just right up the middle, just rolled slowly roller right up the middle that nobody could get to. Uh, and it just, it just snowballed on him. Yeah. I don't have anything else in this game. It's just one of those throwaway games in the 162 to me. Yeah. And when, it, when a game like that happens, you move on to the next day and you focus on winning the series. Yep. Well, so, it's nice that you go from Hauser to Burns. I'll say that. Yeah, that is yeah, that is nice. <laughs> um, I do want to say so. In it was the second or the I shouldn't say the second. It's the second game we talked about. The fourth game of the Cardinals series. The Brewers have fifteen base runners, only left six on base. The first game of the Blue Jays series, they had thirteen base runners and left eight on base. Mm-hmm. See, that's backwards. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Right. So the Brewers had the leadoff man on base the first three innings. In the first three innings, they went double play, double play, two strikeouts, following the leadoff man getting on base. Mm. That's not it. So that's not how you. That's yeah. That's 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 the real. That's a real bummer there. Um, there were still some positive takeaways from this game. Christian Yelich was on base four times. He's playing very well in the leadoff spot. More on that later. Um, Tyron Taylor was on three times, hit back-to-back days of the home run. And this mm-hmm. game also marks the return of Trevor Gott from the injured list. So that is definitely a boost. Yes. Yes. So oh, we now got we healthier too. Yeah. Now we can move on to game two if you want. 
All right, Cor- uh, I'm not going to steal all the Corbin Burns because Tyler's just the kind of guy that just be like, yeah, I got a random stat. Uh, but Corbin Burns was really good. That's all I'm going to say. Um, it was a little weird for me. Um, I mean, it was awesome because I thought Burns was going to go eight innings, but it was weird to watch Williams come in and only pitch a third of an inning. That was kind of awkward. Um, but he's just dominant. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Josh Hader came in, shut it down. Brewers ended up winning five to four. But before we end this up, McCutcheon, two RBIs. Taylor, another RBI, third day in a row with an RBI for Tyrone Taylor, who's becoming a really, really big asset to this team. Um, Adamas, an RBI, uh, third day in a row for him also with an RBI, third game in a row. So these guys are getting they're getting hits when we need them. They're getting clutch hits. We're not leaving a bunch of people on base. Uh, Brousseau crushed a homer. That was a sight for sore eyes. That's all I'm going to say. Um, McCutcheon also had a homer in this game. But, um, you know, just seeing, seeing Brousseau go up there and just crush a baseball, it was like – Oh man, bro! It, it felt to me, at least I don't know about everybody else. It felt like we needed that. It felt like we needed to get healthy, have these guys come back, and then make an impact right away. That was a really, really good thing to see. Yeah, Brasso, and then another guy you didn't actually mention is Victor Caratini. They've both oh, yeah. given some of the Brewers some really good depth. Um, I do have stats on both of them. Um, Victor Caratini so far this season with the Brewers. Batting 247, he's on base 37.8% of the time and is slugging 433 and playing good defense. That 378 on base percentage is actually a career high for Victor Caratini. Wow. Good stuff. And then yeah, I going over to my stat. <laughs> Dude, I got I got I have tons of stats. Um, I know you do. Mike Brasso, so far this season with the Brewers, is batting 282. Also on base, 378, 37.8% of the time, and is slugging 465. Oh, not bad, not bad. I like it. Very good numbers from those two. So Jake mentioned Corbin Burns. I think it's okay to officially declare him back after having a few struggling starts. Um, He threw a 94-mile-an-hour cutter in this game that moved like a slider. Yeah, that's not It legit looked like it moved like – 10 to 12 inches on a pitch going 94 miles an hour. Yeah. What are you doing? Like with that's, that? that's, that's gotta be you taking it to a lab and studying it for its scientific implications this is what you're doing with it. <laughs> yeah, so do you remember last year when they really started checking people for, you know, substances on the pitchers? Mm-hmm. Do you watch yep. them now? How they check them? Bas- yeah. You get like a little hand massage. Yeah, all they do is just go like this real quick. <laughs> so he's not cheating, but the guy's just insane. That's all I'm going to say. He's a monster. I thought it was funny that people thought that he was cheating and that he his stats were going to go down after they started checking for sticky stuff. Right. I want to say to Tim, I do feel bad that Tim didn't get a watch, Burns pitch, but you did go to a really, really fun game. That's all I'm going to say. So you, you're fine, Tim. And you, got, and you got Corbin Burns' bobblehead, which I'm jealous of. And I hope Tim responds to that. Um, uh, the first board all came with in that game. So that's encouraging to see that. Um, Corbin Burns finished with seven and two-thirds innings, five hits, two walks, three earned runs, nine strikeouts. He could have tied Giovanni Gallardo for the most double-digit strikeout games in Brewers history with one more strikeout. But he finished with nine. 
Um, like I said, I think it's okay to officially declare Corbin Burns back. Uh, Luis Urias playing really good defense at second base. But the only thing I had in this game was the Brewers struck out 15 times. That is way too many strikeouts. Nice. That's, yeah, that's that's the only bad thing I had to say about that game. Fifteen strikeouts is cut that in half. Yeah, that's that's a lot. You could have scored a lot more runs if you don't strike out that much. Just put the ball in yeah. play, like we've said on here. You know, that's all you got to do is just put the ball in play. Put the ball in play. Yep. For yeah, force the issue. Put the ball in play. Force the issue. Agreed. Hundred percent. All right, let's go. Let's go to game three of the oh, man. Blue Jay series. All right, so this is the first of the Rowdy Tellez shows this week. <laughs> um, the craziest thing to me is that more people got RBIs in this game than pitchers we used, and we used five pitchers. So that's a good sign. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Gonzalez, Gustave, got made his appearance. Uh, Suter and Kelly. Uh, Gonzalez gave up three earned runs after that. Absolutely nothing. That's that's very great to see. Uh, we only had three walks. Uh Six strikeouts, so that's good, and six hits. So you can live with those numbers from your pitching staff. You know, you're talking bullpen and starters. That's awesome. With hitters, need to have productive outs. I agree. My dad's 100 percent spot on with that. Can't be striking out, especially with these batting areas. I play, I play so. the the using the term productive outs is a very touch and go subject with me, just because I don't agree with sacrifice bunting in the first eight innings of a game. I mean, sack flies are okay. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I stuff mean, like sack flies or if you, you know, if you if you had to choose between, say, a, say a ground out that advances a runner versus a strikeout, like, obviously, I would prefer the ball be put in play. Right, right. Um, they actually talked to Count. It's about bunting, and he said that he doesn't because he's doing it, so that's why you never see the Brewers bunt. And that, to me, that's okay. I'm okay with that, honestly. If you're going to go up there with a certain approach and it's working right now and it's working as good teams, the Blue Jays and Rays are not pushover teams. It's not the Reds and Pirates, you know. These are good teams that make the playoffs. Yeah, they make the playoffs. They compete against the Yankees and Red Sox of the world. They compete against all the other great AL teams. These are good teams. Um, Yep. So they're going up there doing their job. McCutcheon is hitting like they thought he was going to hit. And Yelich is back to, you know, getting on base. I'm not saying – I'm not going to say he's back to MVP form because he's not crushing the homers like he is. I, I have he's a, hitting I have a high, thought on Yelich. I have. We'll, we'll wait um, on that, but in my opinion, he's great. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely been great. I saw um, somebody say it, and I agree with it, but I'll I'll save that for later. I, I am – Excited for your yelly stats that you've been teasing me with for two days now. Um, McCutcheon, what your dad said now, I agree with wholeheartedly. Put the ball in play and make them make plays. That I agree with 100%. Put them make plays. Look what happened to the Brewers. They look like a little league team against the Cardinals. They just threw the ball around the ballpark. Other teams can do that too, man, if you force the issue. And we've talked about that plenty of times. Yep. Yep. We have talked about that plenty of times. (laughs) <laughs> yes punts are better yeah. than striking up but you're not you're not gonna bunt with two strikes on you anyways yeah that's true um and man they end up with two strikes on them all the time this team really is going to give me a heart attack um but like i was saying mccutcheon yelly adamas Narvaez, um all rbis urea 
Davis. Davis got his first RBI, and Toledo, obviously, he had the two homers which in his first two at-bats. That's crazy. I mean, Rowdy, he had one today. I can't wait to talk about it. He absolutely crushed that thing. It almost went to another dimension. <laughs> absolutely so, crushed it. I'm just going to real quick condense down everything Jake just said into one really easy statement from that game. Everybody in the lineup had a hit. Yep, I have that written down. <laughs> um, all right. I, don't, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off if you were going to say more, if you were going to get to that. But um, yeah. everybody in the lineup had a hit. No, 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 no. You're um, good. You're good. You go. Okay. Jake mentioned the two home runs by Rowdy Telez. The Brewers did manufacture four runs in the first two innings, so they did score runs in a variety of ways. I know that was something that was brought up in the comments last week. Um, Gustave, Yandel Gustave is back from the injured list. He got the win right away. Um, and like Jake said, the Brewers used five pitchers. So Chichi Gonzalez went four innings, and the Brewers got five scoreless innings from Yandel Gustave, Brent Suter, Trevor Gott, and Trevor Kelly. That's, that's five scoreless stuff. innings from those four. That is uh, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's actually that's everything I had from that game. So we can move on to last night's tomorrow. Today is yesterday game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my favorite part about yesterday's game. I mean, obviously having Woodruff back was absolutely yes. necessary. But the two two run homers with two outs on a two. Tuesday, that's the best part about yesterday's game. I don't know the twos, all the tees, that's the best. Um, the clutching, I didn't get home until the sixth inning in this game, so I didn't get to watch Woody pitch. I was stuck at work. But for him to go five innings, I did look up and I watched the replay. For him to go five innings and have 10 strikeouts on 76 pitches is absolutely unfair. That is absolutely unfair. Wait till this guy gets back. We have two horses. Two horses. Dude, that's, he... that's, that's unfair. He got – okay, so he came back from an injury. God. Listen, this is insane. This is insane, Brandon Woodruff. So, Brandon Woodruff's average fastball velocity this season is 96 miles an hour. He threw a shit ton of pitches last night that were 98 and 99. Craig Council called it his, quote-unquote, angry fastball. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> he said it's unhittable. Like, that's seven... insane that Woodruff's reaching back for 98, 99. He said after he, he had his game against uh, the T-Rats that he, you know, he was ready to come back. And obviously he was not lying. He, the guy knows. Um, he had 17 swinging misses yesterday, and nine of his 10 strikeouts yep. were on swinging misses. Come on, man. He's playing with them at that point. That's all I'm saying. That is, that is nasty. Um, you mentioned the swinging misses. He had 13 of them on his fastball. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just absolute gas coming off of an injury. Who is the who's the relief pitcher the Rays brought in yesterday? Forgot his name. That is Matt Whistler. His his stats for June were ten innings pitched, three hits, one earned run. His stats last night: zero outs, three hits. Three earned runs, two home runs. Well, if you throw a goddamn slider at 84 and it's over the middle of the play, what do you expect to happen, man? What do you expect to twice. happen? Seriously. You did it twice. <laughs> no, what do you, you think is going to happen? They're going to yak that thing. Uh, 
McClutchin, he he really tried. I th- I don't even know if he tried to hit a homer, man. He just hit it hard, and it got some air under it. But Luis Urias home run, that was a bomb. I, dude, I told you in the Brewers primer, I'm like, Luis Urias has sneaky power. He had the second most home runs on the Brewers last year. He hit 23 dingers last year. Like, it doesn't happen on accident. He's getting hot right now. That's all I'm going to say. He's getting hot right now. I, dude, I said that last week, too, that Luis Urias is starting to hit the ball hard. That's what the Brewers want. They want you to hit the ball hard. The Brewers aren't super concerned about where the ball where the ball goes. They just want you to hit the ball hard. That's why they kept leaning yep. on Yelich, kept leaning on Yelich, because he's hitting the ball hard and on the barrel. Yep. That's what the Brewers want. Hundred percent. It's starting to happen. Um, other than the two home runs and Woody's great outing, I thought that Josh Hader was absolutely phenomenal last night, just blowing the ball right past the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, it was their first time seeing him. They didn't. We don't see the Rays too often, so it was their first time seeing Williams and Hader since 2017. Oh yeah, but um, so he he absolutely destroyed them last night. They were a little bit better today, but he was still able to lock some shit down, man. Hmm. So another good positive takeaway from yesterday: Colton Wong is back. So the Brewers, like Jake said, the Brewers are oh, yeah. getting healthy. They're getting closer to being fully mm-hmm. healthy. And if the Brewers are playing, you know, they, they dealt with when the, all the injuries really started to pile up, they dealt with that long losing streak. But since guys started mm-hmm. to slowly filter back, the Brewers are really starting to play a lot better, almost like mm-hmm. injuries affect your team, you know, almost. Crazy. Now, shocking, shocking, crazy hot take from me that injuries can affect your team, but. Um, that's where, like, like I said, I wanted to give credit to Victor Caratini and to Mike Brasso. Um, Jace Peterson deserves a lot of credit because he's playing well in place of guys that are injured. Jason Alexander deserves credit. And speaking of Jason Alexander and credit, I just want to give myself credit real quick for calling that Jason Alexander was going to end up in the bullpen. I said that two weeks ago and it happened. Um, just. Smart guy Say the line. Here. Say the line. <laughs> say the line. No, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, it's man, true I though. Want you to stay so bad. <laughs> um, just be- because, so because I said it was gonna happen and it did happen. He struggled a little bit out of the pen. Um, I will say, Jason Alexander got freaking hosed by umpiring last night on the second batter that he faced, the one that he ended up walking. Um. Like, mm-hmm. if my hand is the strike zone and a ball comes in here, like, dead in the middle of the outside third of the plate, and it gets called a ball, like, what the hell? I posted the screenshot on the Wisco Phonetics Twitter page because that was just straight-up garbage. And Jason Alexander ended up walking that batter. So he got a pretty yeah. raw deal. But, <clears throat> you know, it'll work out better in the future. Um I saw people questioning why Jason Alexander was being brought in in that position instead of Devin Williams because they were lining up next to each other. This is where tomorrow is yesterday, yesterday is today. So the thing that I kept saying to people was it's a night game tonight. They play at 11 a.m. tomorrow. So it's a really short turnaround. Like it's not a, it's not a 24-hour turnaround. It's more like a 12-hour turnaround. 
from the end of Tuesday night's game to the beginning of Wednesday morning's game. So if mm-hmm. they could, it wasn't even a save situation is the other thing. So the Brewers had a four-run lead at that point. Not a save situation. You play a really early game tomorrow. That's where the Brewers were going with Jason Alexander instead of Devin Williams. Yeah, that was honestly for his first outing. Obviously, he got hit around a little bit, gave up some runs, but give him some time. I think he could be, you know, very useful in the bullpen. I will say that. Mm-hmm. I want to reply to Tim's comment here about him sliding. That looks so awkward. I was so worried that he was going to be hurt. I was like, oh, man, because he hit that hard, man. It wasn't like it, he just like bounced, skipped over. Like he stopped completely. All his stops from hitting that, that mound. It sucked. Um, did you hear Tim Dillard on the re- – did you watch the post game yesterday? No, I did not. Yes or no? <laughs> I like this comment on Luis Urias' home run. And, you know, after that, he was like, oh, and Luis Urias goes yard, much like phone books. That's not coming back. I was like, oh, man, Tim <laughs> Dillard is just one of those guys. If they need to put him on TV, uh, he would be great during the game. That's all I'm going to say. That's awesome. hilarious. Um He's good, man, I, and he knows his shit. Tim Dillard is a smart guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a former player, like a lot of – Friend of the show. I shouldn't say. Friend of the, which is awesome to say. That's true. Um, not always, but often former players make good analysis, um, good analysts. Mm-hmm. Um, some, not all. Personally, I'm not a fan of Kendrick Perkins. I think he says a lot of off-the-wall stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Sure. Um Dan Orlovsky was one of my bad sportscasters from two weeks ago when we did that bonus episode. But mm-hmm. um, last night's game, I mean, McCutcheon is hot, super, super hot since he broke his slump. Uh, Luis Urias had a good game at the plate, like Jake said. Colton Wong is back. He was one for three with a walk, and he scored twice. Um, I do want to throw out really quick, just to go back to the Toronto series, because I didn't say this. The Brewers outscored Toronto 19 to 16 in that series. So, like Jake said, Toronto being a good team, a good playoff team, um, outscoring them 19 to 16 is a, is a good feat. Um, and obviously, the series win. But uh-huh. uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Game One of that Rays series? Nah, man, just a good old fashioned win. And they do not lose a lot of games at home in interleague play. So for the Brewers to win. You know, not just today, uh, today, but yesterday, and basically get a little mini sweep. That's massive, dude, and creating really, really great momentum for this baseball team heading into. Pittsburgh. I heard it in the post game on the radio today that the Rays have played like seven consecutive two run games. Wow, that's oh, that's yes. baseball right there. I'm not gonna lie to you. Wow. <clears throat> All right, let's go. Let's go to today's game. Today's game. Ah, man, I was really watching closely with Lauer. I really wanted him to have another dominant outing. I gave you the stat earlier about the home runs. Um, at least he, you know, he kept he kept that down a little bit. Um, he was hitting ninety five a little bit more consistently today. Um, he only went four and a third though. <laughs> gave up six hits. The three runs were all on him. Uh, two walks. Had three Ks as well. Uh, Gustave came in, um, had a good outing. Milner looked two thirds of an inning, and then and then we get to the the seven, eight, nine guys. And at that point, you're basically just like, well, let's see if we can get a run across. Or and in this case, you need two runs, which 
you when you try to get a run across on these guys, you're like, okay, maybe it can happen. But when you're going to try to get two runs across on this back of this bullpen, to me, that's that's almost as close to impossible as you get in the in the National League, let alone the major leagues, because this is as good as it gets. Boxberger, Williams, Hader. You go from Boxberger with that slide of fastball. You go to Williams with his fastball. He has 22 strikeouts on his on his fastball this year. And then on top of that, you know, Tyler shared a stat of the week with Devin Williams, how it moves on an average of 18 inches. What are you going to do with that? And then you got Josh Hader, who's just giving you that slider in the dirt. You have no chance because you're anticipating that fastball up in the zone. You can't see the damn ball for half the damn time. He's, he's holding on to it. And then it gets on you twice as fast. But, you know, Peterson added the, the insurance in this game. Telez had two homers again. And Luis Urias is with another absolute monster. You know, he took the first pitch uh, right before his home run, and he kind of was looking at his hand. And you're like, what the heck? You know, is he okay? You know, especially with the injury history of the Brewers this year. And you're like, God damn it, Luis, don't you dare be hurt again. Know, he goes up right? the next pitch, and he just launches it 400 feet. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> What is this team? They're all getting hot. Tyler predicted that too. You know, if you're going to buy a house and you want to know when to buy your house, just ask Tyler. He'll tell you. You're going to buy your house in August of 2023. Okay, well, Tyler said it, so it must be true. <laughs> this guy just, just tells the future, I guess. You're like the Simpsons now. <laughs> Listen, so here's got, the buddy? thing. So like I said, during the losing streak – and, you know, it's going to – listen, it's going to come back down at some point too. The, what I want to do is continue to offer perspective. So when the Brewers were down, they were losing, they lost eight in a row, I, I simply posed the question to ask yourself, what if? Because the what if, the Brewers all slump at the same time, happened. It does happen. But you can ask yourself the same question, what if it happens in the exact opposite way and everybody gets hot at the same time? That's the season we're in right now. So there's constant ups and downs. There's a roller coaster of a season. Now, while it is very fun that the Brewers are all getting hot at the same time, like Willie Adonis, Luis Urias, Ramadi Telez, and Christian Yelich, and Mike Brasso, and Jace Peterson, and Victor Caratini, and everybody's hitting really well and playing pretty solid defense outside of a, a few exchanges here and there. It's going to happen where guys start to slump a little bit. The thing is, is you can't hold guys to the standard of when they're playing at their at their best all the time and then criticize them when they're at their worst for not being the way that they are when they're at their best. That's why so many stats are boiled down to averages. Because players will have games at their worst. They will have games at their best. Nobody's going to want to watch somebody who just plays their strictly average all the time, every game. It would be boring, honestly. The ups and downs are what give games excitement. It's what gives you the, the feeling, the impression of this guy's hitting really hot right now. Or this guy's on a really good streak. If it was just average and everything was the same every time, the game would be boring. Mm -hmm. So the ups and downs are what, what give the season meaning. It's what makes the game fun when, when your team is doing well. Mm -hmm. The only thing you just don't – don't throw all your eggs out the window when it's not going well. And then when it starts to go well again, go outside and be like, oh, my eggs were broken. 
like it's as <laughs> a bad analogy but like you understand what i'm saying like don't yeah. you know don't get so down when things aren't going great that you can't enjoy when they're going well or that you think that they're tricking you when they're doing well like there's always middle ground just stay in the gray area don't go so radical up or down I agree. Um, I mean, you're going to have a week this week where Rowdy Telez has five homers, right? But And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. but And then you look at his hits, and all of his hits are home runs. And it's like people are going to be like, oh, my God, he has five home runs. He's, he's amazing. He's crazy. You know, all of his hits. But they were big impact, you know. Um, and this leads right into my power pair. Rowdy Telez was my hitter. Uh, we're going to start with hitters, I guess. Um, he was 5 of 22. So he had five home runs, and they were all massive. I mean, you look at his two home runs in the Toronto series. Right away for us to jump on them like that, that was kind of the kill shot right away. Um, today he hit a home run that put us ahead, and Peterson added on another one uh, late in this game. But he, his home runs are having massive impacts. Now imagine if he has two people on base. Our, our runs are going to go crap point, you know? So we start getting a little bit more walks. And if we just keep hitting the ball hard, those things will start to manifest themselves, you know? Um, but along with his five home runs, he had four runs scored, um, eight RBIs, and four walks. So all in all, when you think take things into totality, he hit the ball hard and he got on base a lot. So he's starting to see the ball better. Um, he did talk after the game that he hates playing at Trop because he says he can't see the ball. On a day that he hits two home runs. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just gonna say it. What an asshole, dude! If I was a rapist, <laughs> oh, you can't do the ball. two home runs, and his second home run was a freaking dude moonshot. I seriously thought that was going into another dimension. He hit the ball, and I said, "Uh oh, uh oh!" I didn't see the ball for another thirty seconds. I'm like, "Where the hell did the ball go?" And then it just falls. It hit the catwalk. Yeah, it's yeah. Luis Arias did that. that too. Yeah, it, it, he absolutely murdered that. That was crazy. Um, who's your power pair player, buddy? Hold on, because I want to ask you something. Okay. Rowdy Telez hit five home runs in the last week. There's six months in the year and 24 weeks in the season. So you mean to tell me that Rowdy Telez is not going to hit 120 home runs this year? Yep, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Not every time he gets a hit is going to be a home run. Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> do you do you see what I'm what I'm asking you here? Yeah, is that the law of average. I mean, if you he was on a really cold streak, man, wasn't getting any home runs. If you take a sample size this big and try to apply it to an entire season, you can look really foolish doing so. Hundred percent. All right. I just wanted to throw it out there. I'm going to double dip on batters because the two guys that I wanted to bring up have both been playing really well for an extended period of time. So I'm going to bring up Andrew McCutcheon and Christian Yelich. So Andrew McCutcheon, since he broke his streak, uh, his what he was one for 32, I think, um, with the walk-off that he hit against the Padres since then, uh, that was June 2nd. Since then, he is batting 329. His OPS like by month 
His OPS by month in April, 639. That's all right. It's okay. It's not, not great, not terrible. May, 501. That's rough. That's, that's really rough. Um, and then June, his OPS is 901. That's better. That is that's much better. much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's much better. Um, so, yeah, Andrew McCutcheon is one. Second one is Christian Yelich. So since June 8th, that's when he was slid into the leadoff position, which I also called because people kept wanting Yelich to move down, and I said, no, move him up. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Yelich is 26 for 81. That is a 321 batting average. Yeah, he's raking right now. Um, coming into today's game, that doesn't include today's game, um, his slashes were 316 for his batting average. Like I said, doesn't include today. Uh, 400 on base percentage. So he's getting on base 40% of the time as a leadoff batter. And yeah. slashing, slugging 418. So that's not great, but he's his power isn't really there. Um, he has an 818 OPS, which is very solid. Now this is the... This is the thing that I wanted to mention because I did see somebody say this, and I agree with it very strongly, that while we are not getting 2018-2019 Christian Yelich, we are getting Miami Marlins Christian Yelich. The Christian Yelich we traded for was a guy who just hit the ball hard a lot. He got on base. When he gets on base, he uses his speed, and he goes and steals bases, and he scores runs. And that's what Christian Yelich is doing mm-hmm. as a leadoff hitter for the Brewers. He's 12 for 12 stealing bases this year, man. Just gonna throw that out there. Twelve for twelve. Really? So when he, he when can he steal thirty steal, he, if he wants, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with being a guy that hits. You know, say he gets his batting average up in the two eighties, steals thirty bases, like you just said. Absolutely nothing wrong with that, dude. He'll probably get around fifteen yeah. home runs, which isn't crazy. But on a team with with a Willie Adamas, a Rowdy Telez, a Hunter Renfro, you know, a Luis Urias, Tyrone Taylor, know, McCutcheon. McCutcheon, Taylor, if they keep hitting, I mean, you're going to have guys that are going to hit 20 to 25 home runs, and you're going to fit in there with 15, steal some bases, and hit a high average. That's absolutely yep. everything we need. All I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah. And he still perfectly. can't hit the occasional home run, so I'm totally okay with that. Who is your power pair pitcher? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't go with anybody else. I saw the stat on Twitter literally as soon as you sent it to me. And I was like, man, what a stat, dude. Um, talking about <laughs> Devin Williams. Devin Williams has been yeah. a freaking man amongst boys. And I'm talking the last 20 outings. I will get into that stat in a second. But just this last week, he had two and a third inning pitch, zero hits, zero earned runs. Did have three walks. Obviously, none of them scored. I just told you that. And five Ks. Over the last 20 outings, Zero runs. People are batting 0.83. Not even one against this guy. And 30 Ks. 3-0. That is insane. This guy pitches one inning. Three outs. And he has 30 Sometimes Ks in the last 20 outings. Holy shit. And, and yeah, he's, he had two, two appearances this week where he had a third of an inning. So all I'm saying is all the people out there, and by the way, he's third in 
strikeouts per nine in the entire MLB, not the NL, the entire MLB, he's third in strikeouts per nine. And people are out there saying that he doesn't deserve to be an all-star. That is absolutely hogwash. That's all I'm going to say. Hogwash. Proud of you for censoring yourself on that. That was good. That was and, good. And now hogwash. I slam the notebook game. <laughs> So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, if you saw the post that we put up on, I don't know if that was like Sunday, the Devin Williams hype train, we will be your conductors. Devin Williams is absolutely awesome. Um, I did have somebody say that Devin Williams couldn't make the all-star team because Josh Hader is going to make the all-star team. Um, and there's only three relievers in the NL and two of them aren't going to be Brewers. I say why not. I mean, the Brewers had four all-star pitchers last year with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and Hader. So, like, totally could have three this year and have Burns, Hader, and Williams. So, Why not? I mean, Which brings okay. me to mine. I went with – go ahead. I, I'm just going to say, at some points during the season, you know, um, Hader had a missed time, and we're able to just slide Williams into that closer role, and he just shut shit down. And then when Hader comes back, we slide him back in the eighth, and he just holds the score where it is. Why not have him be an all-star? He's been one of the best relief pitchers in the baseball. That's all I'm going to say. Remember that time we were two games into the season and Devin Williams gave up like three runs and people wanted to trade him? Yeah, I do, which was really stupid. Yeah. That is why looking at small sample sizes and overreacting to small sample sizes makes you look stupid. Stop doing it. Stop overreacting to small sample sizes. You only look fucking dumb every time. That's why I posted the graphic. <laughs> Shortly time. after that, people freaking out about one inning of work compared to his other 97 innings of his entire body of work flipping the hell out that his ERA was nine after two damn games. Fuck, dude, the oh, small yeah. sample size thing drives me insane. I, I think when people <sighs> complain about that, they have small sample size in their pants, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> LDE. <up> here. <laughs> yeah, LDE up there, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my power pair pitcher is Corbin Burns. Um, his last two outings that he had in the last week, 14 and two-thirds innings, seven hits, three earned runs, all came in one game, four walks, 19 strikeouts, which is insane. Um, and his ERA is down 11 points. Now, where Corbin Burns stands in baseball, as far as a pitcher is concerned, he leads the entire league, all of Major League Baseball, in strikeouts with 119. He's first in the NL in strikeouts per nine with 11.48. He's first in average against with 192 average against him. He is second in the NL in whip at 0.92. Second in the NL in hits per nine at 6.27. Second in the NL in quality starts with 11. And he is third in the NL in ERA at 241 and strikeout-to-walk ratio at 5.67. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's decent. <laughs> if, he can, if he continues at the trajectory that he's on, we could be looking at a potential back-to-back -back Cy Young winner. 
Cyburns, baby. I wanted you to call him Cyburns. 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 <laughs> Wait, is he pitched tomorrow, right? He pitches. Let's see. Tomorrow right will be. Tomorrow, I think it's going to be Hauser. Tomorrow, right? Who follows Lauer? Um, Lauer would be Jason Alexander's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. spot. It should be Hauser. Um, no, tomorrow yeah. um, should be Hauser. Yeah, and then then it'll be Burns. And then um, Thursday, Friday. Ashby's I getting close to coming back. That's what I was going to say. I think it might be – it might go Hauser, Burns, and they might slide in Ashby on Saturday. That will be absolutely amazing if Ashby can come back. Ashby, they said Ashby threw a bullpen session yesterday, and then he said he felt good coming out of it. They said that he um, could be ready to make his next start in Pittsburgh. Um, his next potential start lined up better with Jason Alexander's spot in the rotation, so take that for what it will. Um, not that Chichi Gonzalez is going to remain a starter, but um, that Aaron Ashby's slot would line up better with where Jason Alexander was pitching in the rotation, so – you know, take that, take that at face value, and you know maybe that means that Aaron Ashby is going to be pitching back when they're in Pittsburgh starting tomorrow. Hey, nothing wrong with that. having him back. Hopefully, uh, hopefully in July. I'm thinking maybe mid July we can have some good news about F- Freddie Fastball. Uh, be incredible if he could come back. You know, like in August, like you projected. Um, I say you're pretty good at projecting shit, so hopefully you're pretty good at that one too. Um, I said August from Freddie. Yeah, he started playing catch last week. Um, I will say, if you want a pair of Brewers fan locks, I will give them to the first person that types Go Pack Go in the comments. Or Go Pack Go. Go Brewers Go. Sorry. I have Packers ones here to give away on Friday, so I was looking at those when I said that. (laughs) First person to type Go Brewers Go in the comments gets a it's a set of Brewers fan locks. Well, Taylor just typed. Taylor just typed a minute ago. Let's see if he's paying attention. Yeah, Tim and Taylor are both on here. Christopher was on here not too long ago either. Oh, there he oh. is. There he is. All right. Good thing I still. Have, I think I still have Taylor's address. If not, I have it in the message that we sent. Tim so. must have walked away. Um. Oh. Yeah. Got a McCutcheon well, jersey, huh? I can't decide if I want Renfro or Burns. That's who my final two are. Run for or burns. I can't decide. <laughs> um, I want to throw out a Brandon Woodruff stat. Um, Taylor said I'll slide my DMs. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I still have your address from when I sent you the Parker Johns gift card, um, gift certificate. Um, Brandon Woodruff. Sorry, it's the wink. <laughs> Brandon Woodruff last night, his first turn through the rotation. The first nine batters that he faced, seven strikeouts that tied a franchise record, actually. Wow. Strikeouts to the first nine batters. So, you know, Brewer's going to Brewer and and do crazy pitching things because that's what they do. Um, Brewers were, before today's game, up a half a game on the Cardinals. So now with the win today, they're up a full game on the Cardinals. Tim said earlier, um, go Marlins. That's who the Cubs or the Cardinals are playing this afternoon. Um, <clears throat> looking, looking ahead a little bit on some things that the Brewers can do to improve. Um, this is something I want to try to look at every week. Is one 
Eric Lower is still giving up too many home runs. Jake kind of touched on it already that he's making mistakes with his off-speed stuff. Um, yeah. That being said, his his slider is his second best pitch. Um, it's the changeup and the curveball that are getting him in trouble, like Jake said. Those two pitches, he basically, to potentially curtail giving up all those home runs, he just needs to keep those two pitches away from the middle of the strike zone. Basically, either throw them a lot as, as close to the corners as you can or out of the zone completely. Yeah. He was doing better, in my opinion, and I'm not a professional. I'm just a guy that sits in his basement and talks about sports. But in my opinion, he was doing better at hitting his spots today. He's getting good with his guy. A couple that were kind of e, But he's going to get back to it. This rotation is going to get healthier. Um, teams are going to have to go through, you know, Burns and Woodruff now. You know, you bring it, you bring it back. That's another arm that you got to worry about. So I look for Lauer to get back to the consistency he had in his first 10 starts of the season. And if you get back to that and we get and we are lucky enough to get Freddie back, that's a dominant five-man rotation to go along with this bullpen that has been absolutely phenomenal. I actually wrote down a stat from today's game that I forgot to mention, actually. Um, today they pitched four and two-thirds of an inning, gave one hit, zero earned runs, Four walks and six Ks. So for your bullpen to come in for half the game and just absolutely lock shit down, wow, what a luxury. And then you you just are going yard on every damn pitcher the Rays throw at you. So if the Brewers can hit for a little bit better average, this is a championship-quality team if we can start getting on base a little bit more. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's Again, that's what it is. It's so the Brewers need to do better hitting with runners on base. They left a lot yep. of base runners out on the base paths the last couple of weeks or the last yep. couple of games. I mean, um, so it's really, it's really just like Jake's dad said in the comments, actually, that they just need to get on base, put the ball in play. Um, yep. Don't be afraid to shorten up the swing. Like we know that the Brewers, like I've said, I don't know, half an hour ago, that the Brewers prioritize hitting the ball hard. The yep. Brewers are good at hitting the ball hard. It does seem like, a little too often, guys take that a little too far to heart and are afraid to shorten up their swing and try to make some some softer contact that goes with the opposite field. Um, that's that's the kind of stuff that the Brewers need to do a little more often. Pulling the hands in, just going with what the pitcher is giving you, and you know, not necessarily. Not that I believe that the Brewers are swinging for the fences every time they're up to bat, but I can see why somebody would think that that way because the Brewers have a low average but a shit ton of home runs. Yeah. I could definitely see how they do that too. And they're, I think coming into the day, they were like eighth in, in a run scored in the NL. So if they could just find a way to get on base with how they can hit home runs, right. the, run, the runs will just skyrocket, honestly. Right. And that's that's something where I've seen I've seen a couple of complaints, not too many, about Craig Council tinkering with the lineup too much. So like I've seen Luis Urias batting anywhere from sixth to clean up to third. Willie Adamas goes – from second to fourth to third, to like Rowdy Telez is going from third to fifth. Um, honestly, Craig Council is probably going to continue doing that, trying to find the sweet spot for the guys that are getting on base and the guys that are hitting for power and trying to balance that out in the lineup constantly. Um, that's especially mm-hmm. dealing with all the injuries that the Brewers have too. That's a, a really tough balancing act for Craig Council. And for the Brewers to be winning games while he's tinkering with the lineup that way, is actually still a very good thing. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, the only other thing 
the Brewers are doing, this kind of can tie in with, like I said, shortening up the swing and going with what the pitcher gives you, is the Brewers are still striking out too much. Um, I touched on it last week that the Brewers don't chase a lot of pitches, but they also almost never swing at the first pitch. Uh, I'm not saying that they need to start swinging at the first pitch, but the Brewers, had, as of last week, had the lowest first pitch swing percentage at about 25%. Um, <clears throat> and, yes, Yelly leading off is turning out to be a good idea. Um, but if a team knows that they have a one-in-four chance of you swinging at the first pitch, and that's a three-out-of-four chance that you're not going to, they're going to throw you a strike, and then, boom, you're down in the count already. Yep. So, so you know, it's it's not something that the, the Brewers can skew in their favor and be like, oh, we're going to swing at the first pitch every time, and then teams are going to stop trying to get ahead of the count because that's still the goal. But um, it just seems like the Brewers are taking a lot of first pitches and just letting, you know, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball go right down the middle of the plate for a strike. I feel like McCutcheon – just McCutcheon personally as a guy that, you know, he's a good first pitch swinger, I feel like, because he gets a lot of hard contact. Um, he had a really shitty out today. On, I believe it was a first or second pitch, but he absolutely murdered it, and it was right at somebody, so that sucked. But I want to ask you, you know, with how, you know, you're talking about moving the lineup around with, with Craig Council, who's now the winningest manager in Brewers history, so let's not question him too much, people. Where do we put Colton Wong? Where does he fit in this lineup now that I don't want to move Yelly out of the first spot because he's doing it. Where does Colton Wong fit in? Is he your six-hole guy? Because that's probably I, I personally, I would put him either six or seven. And what I would do is wherever you put Colton Wong, you put Tyrone Taylor right behind him. Yep, because he can go young. Yeah. That's what I would and the thing is, is if, Taylor right behind him. Right. And the thing with Tyrone Taylor is if he grounds, if he hits a ground ball, like Tyrone Taylor's actually got some pretty decent wheels. So Tyrone Taylor mm-hmm. is a guy that you can use that, you know, if he grounds a ball with a guy on base, he's not a guaranteed mm-hmm. double play like a guy like Rowdy Tellez, for example. Or Narvaez. Or, yeah, Omar Narvaez, too. The Brewers have, if they were to make a deal, I mean, and there's a couple options. Man, when I first saw that we were facing a left-handed starter, I just want to start out with that. I was like, oh, shit. It's an early game, and we're facing a starter. This could be bad. You know, we're probably going to split in Tampa. And then, wow, 95. I'm like, holy camole. Um, But he started getting a little bit unraveled in that second inning. Um, outside of that, we're going to have to have a guy that just can hit average. I just want a guy that can hit for average and preferably a guy that we could slide right in at the two hole, move everybody down a little bit. I mean, you can have a Willie Adamas bat three because I feel good with Willie at the three. Have Telez. Where does Renfro fit in that? The Brewers have a lot of flexibility, I feel like, with this line. So you didn't even mention Urias in there? Yeah, you're, I mean, there's so there's so much possibility. we got so much power. Just got to get that average up. I'm going to keep harping on that. Get that average up. We want to trade for a guy that's a high average guy, high quality at bat guy, not just a guy that just takes pitches, you know? We don't need that. We just need a guy that can hit. We already have that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you have Yelly who's hitting over 300, 
and you know you mentioned all the stats he's based on. Um, if you have Yelly and then you have another guy that can get on, maybe through a comment of through that shit, you know, and then you start out with Wong and Tyrone Taylor, who's dangerous, you know. There's a lot of shit that you have to go through as a pitcher to go through this Brewers lineup. That's pretty tough, one through nine, I think. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you one parting stat. Okay, buddy. Willie Adamas, as a Brewer, has played 71 games at American Family Field. Mm-hmm. Willie Adamas, as a Tampa Bay Ray, played 171 games at Tropicana Field. Mm-hmm. Willie Adamas has a higher on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS at American Family Field in the 71 games versus the 171 he's played at Tropicana. In 171 games, Willie Adamas hit 16 home runs at Tropicana Field. In 71 games at American Family Field, mm-hmm. he has 18 home runs. Wow. He has two more home runs at American Family Field in 100 fewer games. <laughs> wow. That's very nice. Impressive. Impressive. Good stuff. That's, That's awesome. a good stat, man. It's a good stat. All right, man. Let's, uh, I say we call this one. I say the Brewers keep winning. And I say that we get ready for Friday night and we get to rock some people's socks, baby. Yeah. Brewers um, show, also, baby. also, in between there, the Brewers do play tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. NBA free agency starts tomorrow night. So that is another thing to keep yep. an eye on. Um, see if the Bucks can bring back Bobby Portis right away. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like Jake said, Friday night we are doing our first Packers-only show. Um, we got a lot of stuff we're talking about on Friday night. We're talking about the yeah. players that we're excited for. Um, we did have that in one of the Wisco Confidential articles, so if you want to check that out, um, you can go to the Wisco Confidential um, blog page. Um, you can find it on the Wisco Ball site, actually, uh, where you can also actually find shirts for the Wisco the fanatic show if you want to support us would be awesome uh, but we're going to be talking about storylines we're going to be talking about stuff that the fans are talking about and we're going to be talking about things to watch on the football field outside of a box score um so that's going to be some really good discussion i think there um given that there's going to be four of us so that's eight things you could potentially be looking at outside of a box score that can help you uh understand performance in football a little more so um i'm really looking forward to that i think it's going to be some really good discussion on friday Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Friday. Um, I I stayed up really late last night. This is actually my second can of uh, uh, Kickstart. I drank one last night. And I was really, really trying to hammer out my notes for Friday night because I really, really want Friday night to be a great episode. And also, Simon and Bryant put a lot of pressure on me as a podcaster because those guys are super smart. Even though they like to clown around and act like some fools, those guys know their shit uh, straight up. That's all I'm going to say. So, they put a lot of pressure on me to try to be better, and they say iron sharpens iron. So I absolutely am taking this challenge head on, and I welcome it. Uh, Tyler has already been doing that for me for a couple of years now, uh, really challenging me. He challenged me this last week after last week's episode, and he posed a question to me, and it really made me think. So that's why I had to come with some stats, come with some little deeper analysis this week. So I'm very excited for Friday, dude. I really am, honestly. <laughs> I'm just – I'm ready for Packers I, yeah, football. I think, I think Friday I, is going to be really good. Dude, I have a bread guy who I talk to every week. He works for Sarah Lee Bread. Dude, 
I'm I see him at Berlin Walmart in the mornings. All we do is talk Packers football, and I'm like, dude, we can't talk about anything anymore because we're talking about the same shit. You know, we're talking about how excited <laughs> we are for Rashawn Gary to have 20 sacks. You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of shit we're gonna go through. Uh, he sends to the podcast on Thursday, so tomorrow when you see this. Hi, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah, really excited. Hopefully we kick some ass tomorrow, man, and hopefully we can gain some followers that way. Taylor, thanks for sticking around as always, man. Seriously. All right. Well, I will see you Friday night then. Um, that'll be that'll be an 8 o'clock Friday night show. Um, all Packers. It's going to be a good show. Check us out on Friday. Yep. G-Force. All right. All right, buddy. Take I will care. see you then. <laughs> Peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.